I can tell you a little bit about what this Apostles' Doctrine is. And uh, it was, uh, I want you to look with us here, if you would, in our scripture text that we've got at the very top here. Uh, Acts 2 and uh, verses, verse 42, a very simple verse. And they continued. This is the early church when it was first began, when it first began. And they continued steadfastly. Notice that word steadfastly. That means really solidly. They, con- they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread, which was communion, and in prayers. And the fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Now, the emphasis I'm placing here right now on the 42nd verse, and we'll come back to other of these verses here in a minute. It says here simply that they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. I'm going to go to number one here, and we're going to move right into this. The apostles' doctrine was established in John. Now go with me to St. John, if you would, please. St. John 17, 9. St. John 17, 9. And uh, this is Jesus whenever he was praying following the, the Last Supper. And uh, he talked to his disciples. He prayed for them, different, different things. And then he was praying to God or praying to the Father, as we would say, or praying this flesh was praying to the Spirit. And he was praying here in this 17th chapter of St. John. Now look at verse 9. Look at it very closely here with me. 17.9, and that's your very first verse that you have right here. It says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but I pray for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Now he's talking about his disciples here. I'm praying for my disciples here. I'm praying for them because they are ours. They're, you have given them to me. And he says, I pray for these disciples. Now look at verse 20. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. You, you see that? Through their word. So the Lord is establishing here the power of the apostolic doctrine or the power of the preaching and teachings of the apostles. And he made these comments here. Judas's carrier at this point had already gone out. He was out of the, out of fellowship with them. No, he was not there. Jesus was praying for these disciples. <clears throat> he says, neither pray for I for alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their words. Now, You've got your Bible, underline that part, but for them also which shall believe on me through their words. If you believe in the apostles' doctrine, Jesus prayed for you back there. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus prayed for us, folks. And here's where it is in the Bible. You can point to anybody and show this to anybody. This is where Jesus prayed for me. He prayed for you. And prayed for all of us who would believe in the apostolic doctrine. This is why the apostolic doctrine is so important. And I'm going to talk to you about that right now. This is where it started, though. But the Lord told them that he says that these are they that have given me and I have given them. Now look at verse 26 with me. I'm jumping over here to 26. And I have declared unto them, that is the apostles, thy name and will declare it. And the love wherewith thou hast loved me many, may be in them and I in them. Now notice here he said, I have declared unto them my name. Now, this is not in your text scriptures here. But I want you to, uh, if you would, look in uh, Acts uh, 4.12. Acts 4.12. Let's put it on the screen. This is a scripture I sort of know it by heart. Most of a lot of you do as well. Here's what it says in Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And he's talking about the name of Jesus. And he says there's no other name. Praise the Lord. There's no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. So the name Jesus is going to appear here in a moment. 
And this is the name that has to be applied in everything that we do and say and in all of our salvation that we're going to be talking about. Now, this is where it all started. When it started, look at Acts 2 and 1. Go to Acts 2 and 1. Praise God. Yeah, I've got to find it too. All right. Follow with, very closely with me. Some of this is going to be a little repetitious, but it'll get a little better as we go along here. Look at 2.1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, Pentecost was a, a Jewish feast day that was 50 days after the Passover. And on that day, when they were in there praying, the Lord poured out the baptism of the Holy Ghost for the first time upon the church. And this is what it said here in 2.1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. One day I'm going to teach a Bible lesson on the spirits like the wind and why it's like the wind. But that's another subject. Okay, we're going to move on here. Verse 3. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues or other languages. Tongues, the word tongues here, that means languages. They began to all speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Notice that the Spirit was speaking through them. Their voice, their tongue, their mouth, everything is coming out of their own mouth. But it was that spirit that was moving inside of them. They were speaking in different languages. Now, look at verse 5. And I'm going to talk to you here about who it affected. This is when it all started. When, who it affected here? B. Look at verse 5. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now, Jews at that time were not only in Jerusalem, but they were scattered all through the old Roman Empire. What we know of today is that old Roman Empire, all the way over to Spain, to, to uh, Turkey, Arabia, Egypt, northern, northern, North Africa, everywhere. And it goes on to say here, and there was dwelling at Trium, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speaking in his own language, the language that he was from, the country he was from. Now, he was Jew, and he usually spoke a Hebrew as well, but or it, was, it, was a, it, was, it wasn't a pure Hebrew in the New Testament. It was more of a, uh, Aramaic, it was called. But he also spoke the language of the country where he lived. And this was all over and begins to name all these countries. Every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed. Here's why. And marvel, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? These people are all from Galilee that we are here, these disciples. And how here we ever man in our own tongue or language wherein we were born. And then he begins to name them. Nine on down through ten, and I won't read them all off here. Well, I will. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, dwellers of Mesopotamia, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, uh, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya, and Cyrene, strangers of Rome, Jews, proselytes. Verse 11, Cretes and Arabians. These are the 16 countries here that are mentioned here that they are hearing them speaking these people that are speaking in tongues and there was 120 of them here in this room they were speaking in these different languages and here's what they were speaking verse 11 Cretes Arabians we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God praise the Lord that's what they were saying now what were they saying the answer is the wonderful works of God 211 in other words, when they spoke in tongues, it was glorifying God, praising God, speaking about how great God is. It wasn't saying about how the weather is. It wasn't talking about the latest gossip in town or what was going on down the street. None of that kind of stuff. That's not what was happening. They were praising and worshiping, glorifying God 
and it was, they were speaking in these different languages. Now, this is very basic and very elementary, and most of us all, we all know that, and, I, and, uh, and, and I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. I know that. Now, I'm going to move on here because I move on down very fat quickly here through this. Peter standing up with the 11. Notice this now. Uh, look at verse 14. But Peter standing up with the 11. I want to point this out because Peter didn't do, didn't say what he said by himself. In other words, what he said was all of the apostles in agreement with him. Peter standing up had something to say and he was going to preach to these people. And when he stood up and preached to them, the other all stood with him. You, you understand what I'm saying? So that they were all together with the same thing that Peter was preaching. Praise God. So when Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice and said unto them, ye men of Judea and so forth. Now I'm not going to get into the preaching factory. He preached a long message. I'm going to take it on down to verse 37, because this is where I want to pick up what the message that he finally gave here. He preached unto them Jesus Christ, how he was crucified, how they had crucified him. These were Jews now, and they were all in Jerusalem. And, and uh, they had crucified him, and this is what happened. Look at verse 37. When they heard this, that is the preaching of Peter unto them, they were pricked in their heart. And said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, notice that, men and brethren, what shall we do? Praise the Lord. Now, so much is said about just thinking you're saved and you're saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you're saved. Do you believe? Yes, I believe. Okay, you're out of here. You're, you're okay. Pat you on the back, send you down the road. Uh, what about baptism? Oh, you don't need to be baptized. You can get baptized as a sh that show other people that you're saved. But it's all about what's in the head. No, 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 no. It's what we do is action. I can take you to the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, which is the chapter on faith. And when it talks about faith, it says by faith they did so and so. By faith they kept the Passover, for instance, Moses. By faith they went out of Egypt. By faith, they walked through the Red Sea. By faith, they marched around the walls of Jericho. Six, uh, six, uh, six days and the seventh day, they marched around seven times and the walls fell. You see what I'm saying? By faith, all the way through from Abraham, all the way through, that, that faith always requires an action involved. We don't just say, yeah, I believe and I'm going to sit here. But it demands of us to say, I want to do what God's word says. Praise the Lord. So... When they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said, what shall we do? So their faith now was kicking into action. Now here's the message that Peter gave them. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. That's that name that we talked about a while ago here in, in Acts 4.12. That the name of Jesus is the only name that's the name of salvation. There is no other name. When you read Matthew 28, 19, where Jesus said, Go ye in all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. The name was Jesus. They knew that. Yeah, they knew that. These apostles knew that. So when they baptized, they baptized in Jesus' name. Because they understood that. Just because that Jesus said it and they understood it to be the right way, and somebody else comes along and says, no, 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 it means that there's a holy trinity and, and there's a father, son, and they all have a name. I don't know. They, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm a father, I'm a husband, and, uh, and, and I'm a bishop. But that's not my name. My name is J.E. Myers. You understand what I'm saying? All of us are the same way. So I'm pointing out simply to you here how important it is for us to understand here the apostles' doctrine that was preached by Peter. They all stood with him, and Peter preached that message. I'm going to read 38 again. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. That's what they, they want to know. What shall we do? Repent, repent. You can't go beyond that. You've got to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. That's how sins are remitted. 
and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise, the Holy Ghost is a promise. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. Turn to your neighbor next to you and say, you're afar off. Have you ever looked on a world map lately? We are way on the other side of the world from Jerusalem. Did you know that? We're way on the other side of Jerusalem. And he said, this is to you and your children and, and, uh, and to all that are far off. We are way over here on the other side of the world. But thank God for his grace, his love, for the preaching of the gospel that has come our way, that we, we heard it and we responded to it. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to jump down to 41 and read this again. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there was added unto them about 3,000 souls. Notice here that the, <laughs> there was 120 of them now that was already saved. And there was added unto them 3,000 that got saved that day. 3,000 souls. And notice that the 3,000 was added to the 120 not the 120 to the 3,000. The 3,000 was added. It may have been the bigger number, but everything else, no God, I don't care what it is, is always added to the church. The church is the foundation. Foundation. The 120 was the foundation. And everything was added unto them. Praise the Lord. And they continued steadfastly, verse 42, in the apostles' doctrine. That apostles' doctrine is what we were just got through reading here. In uh, chapter 38 and also uh, in, in, uh, in, in Acts 1, uh, 4, 1 uh, as well. Now, let me move on here. Uh, I mean, uh, two, uh, 238, yeah. Now, let me move on here. Uh, I want to talk to you here about some things that, that uh, Peter standing with the 12 and all the apostles were in agreement with the fathers, with the apostle of Messiah on 214. Now, The Jewish multitude responded in 238 and said, what shall we do? And faith requires an action. I just talked to you about that. Peter's message on 238, the response of Peter's message is as Act 241-38. And we have, and, uh, and we've just got through giving you that. All right, I'm going to move on here. Okay. Peter's message. I want to get on down here. I got some things I want to show, talk to you about. Peter's message, the response, Peter. Now look at number three here. Look at number three. The apostles' doctrine in other places. Folks, don't ever forget what I'm going to show you here. Don't forget what I'm going to show you here. The apostles' doctrine in other places. We, uh, we were, in, as you know, in board meetings in Ocala where that, uh, I think this, this year there was like 21, uh, local license given to young, young people, most, mostly young people. And some of them were girls, some were guys, most, mostly guys, some were, were, were girls. And local license was given unto them. And they are, that means that they get a license because they are now at a bona fide United Pentecostal Church minister, a preacher. And uh, they're local license, which means that they stay subject to their local, pa their local church and to their pastor and so forth. And, uh, but they must know the doctrine. You just can't come in there and say, I want to be a preacher. Do you know what to be to be saved? Well, I'm not sure. Your pastor was asked by our district superintendent to be one of the ones who would question them and ask them, do you know the doctrine of, of our faith? You know, do you know it? So I'm going to give you some things here that we all should know and understand and have it at our fingertips. Praise the Lord. And I think most of you do, but I'm just going to pass this along to you for what it's worth. I want you to look here at Acts 8, 5. 8, 5. Now, Peter said you had to be baptized in Jesus' name. But uh, what about other scriptures? Now, look at 8, 5 of Acts. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Verse 12. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, 
They were baptized, both men and women. Notice that. They were baptized. They didn't say, oh, well, I'll think about it, and and if it's convenient, I'll get baptized whenever I want to get around to it and all that kind of stuff. No, no, no. Look at verse 14. Now, when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Oh, really? Yeah. Why? Because the Holy Ghost was essential along with baptism. Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So they said, okay. They got baptized. The whole, the whole city that believed, not, not the whole city, but so many of them that was in that city. And uh, now look at verse 15. Who, when they were come down, prayed for them, they might receive the Holy Ghost. Verse 16, for as yet he, the Holy Ghost, was fallen upon none of them. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the, the Holy Ghost. Understand here how important it was here for them to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm going to go to the next one here. This is another confirmation. In other words, if, if, if I were to ask you, where's other places in the Bible where the apostles' doctrine is mentioned? Peter mentioned in Acts 2, chapter 2 and, and verse 2 and 1 through 4, and also in Acts 2, 38. Where else is it mentioned? All right, it's mentioned here in Acts uh, 8.16. Now let's go here to Acts 10.43. Acts 10.43, this is where, uh, incidentally, that Samaria, they were half Jews and half Gentiles. And uh, now you go to the 10th chapter of the book of Acts. These are all Gentiles. This was a, a Roman centurion who was a soldier. He was a, he was a captain over a, a hundred soldiers. And uh, he had been praying and asking God, you know, to give him whatever God could give him. And an angel appeared to him and said, send up, send a Joppa and for a man called Peter and he'll come tell you what you got to do. Isn't it amazing how God always uses preachers, you know? Amen. A fellow told me one time, said, if God shows me a, or let an angel come show me that Acts 238 is right, I'll believe it. I said, you looking for an angel? He said, yeah. I said, well, da-da, here I am. I'm, I, I'm the preacher. That's what God always sent a preacher. So he sent Peter down to Cornelius. He says, I'm not going to send an angel. He sent the angel to tell Cornelius to send a job before a preacher. You understand what I'm saying? That's why the preachers who preach the gospel, God bless them. God bless them. That's a, that's a calling and that's a responsibility and that's a, a burden that they bear and God is with them and Let's always honor them. Amen. Always. Now, I'm reading on here a little bit further. Uh, Verse 34, when Peter finally arrived and he had uh, six of his Jewish companions with him who came along with him, six men who came with him and said, what, a Gentile? An angel told a Gentile to send for you to come preach to them? I wonder what this is going to be all about. So here they, they came. Verse 34, then Peter, when he got them all together and got to Cornelius' house, went down to, went to Caesarea. Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is of no respect of person. But, verse 35, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Now I'm going to go to verse 43 because this is where we're going to be looking at. This is what happened. While Peter was preaching to these people, while he was preaching the word to these Gentiles, these Gentiles, amen. Verse 43, to, to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Verse 44, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. Notice that. And they of the circumcision, that's the Jews that had come with him, six of them, which believed, were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How'd they know they had the Holy Ghost? Here's the, re- here's the answer, four to six. For they heard them speak with tongues. 
In other words, they heard them speaking in a different language. That's how they knew they had the Holy Ghost. And magnified God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water? They've already gotten the Holy Ghost. You can't, you don't skip baptism just because you got the Holy Ghost. No, no, you got to get that too. You got to get the water baptism in. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Verse 48. And he commanded them. He didn't suggest it or said it'd be a good thing if you did or, you know, if you feel like it today or if it's convenient for you. No, no. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Now, I'm just telling you that, that the plan of salvation, the apostles' doctrine, folks, is always the same. It's always the same. Praise the Lord. Uh, I was, I, I was, the first night I ever went to, went to the altar, I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I was, I was uh, 16 years old. And I went down the altar and, and cried a, cried a river, you know, and, Prayed through and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then they took me out and baptized me. So I received, I'm one of those that received the Holy Ghost before I was ever baptized. Took me down in the bio, baptized me in the salt water. Praise the Lord. It don't matter if you're salt water, fresh water, running water, water out of the hydrant. As Pastor talked about the other night, what a mess is that was. How he baptized people in New York in a, in a, in a water gushing out of a fire hydrant and everything. God bless them. But they were baptized, you know, baptized in a bathtub, wherever it is. Amen. And so I was baptized in salt water. I was salted down, so, so to speak. All right. I'm just pointing out to you here that I don't care if you do get the Holy Ghost first, you get baptized then. Praise the Lord. It's time to get baptized. So that's what happened here. And uh, this whole, they were the beginning of the Gentile people that received the Holy Ghost. Now, let me give you another scripture. That was uh, Peter's experience. This is Paul. I'm going to the 19th chapter. You said, Brother Myers, some of we know this. Some of you know it. Maybe some of you don't know it. Hang on here with me. Paul's doctrine. In other words, this is the apostles' doctrine. Now, Paul was not with those that stood up because he was not yet converted. We'll talk about his conversion in a moment. He was not yet converted and saved. But... Uh, he became one of those apostles. He was that one that took Judas's carriage place. He was the legitimate one God chose. Look at verse 19, chapter 19, verse 1. It came to pass that while Apollos, he was another preacher in the area that was over where Paul was preaching near Corinth, that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. He found some disciples here. He said to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Oh, why did he say that? Because he knew it was essential. Believe, repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Ghost. And he said to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, we have not so much heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. We haven't heard anything about any Holy Ghost. Or Holy Spirit, same thing, Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost is the old English word for it. We haven't heard anything about the Holy Spirit. And uh, verse 3, so Paul has to back up a little bit who these people are. And he said to them, unto what then were you baptized? They said, under John's baptism. That was John the Baptist who baptized unto repentance. That's what that they were talking. They said, under John's baptism. Oh, Paul said, okay, now I know who you are and I know where you are. I know that you have started in trying to reach out to God and have God in your life, but there's more for you. More for you. And he went on to say here, verse 4, then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. In other words, John wasn't the finished work. So Paul is telling these disciples who had been baptized by John, and that's all they knew about it. Verse 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. 
That, in other words, believing on the Lord, believing on Jesus Christ, involved them being baptized. You get the message here together. I'm going to read four and five together. Then said Paul, John verily baptized the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come after them, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. You see what, how, why the baptism is a factor in believing. Praise the Lord. Now, verse 6. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't all over with yet. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. The Holy Ghost came on them. And they spake with tongues. There they are speaking that language again. And prophesied. Prophesied means they were like preaching or declaring the word of God with great unction. Um, which is what that word prophes- prophesied means. Now... I'm just trying to point out to you here that the Word of God is so solid, uh, you can't go wrong. Acts 2.38 says, in Jesus' name, they received the Holy Ghost. Acts 2.4 says, they've spoken in other tongues. Acts uh, 10.46 and 48, they received the Holy Ghost. They're baptized in Jesus' name, received the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. Acts 19.5. In other words, all of these examples are given to them. Praise the Lord, how they should be baptized. Now, and I'm going to present to you something that somebody gave me one time. You ready for it? I want you to go to Acts chapter 9 with me. This is Paul's conversion. Paul's conversion. Paul's conversion. In chapter 9, he was going from Jerusalem down to, uh, to, going going down to Damascus. Everything from Jerusalem is always down. Even though you go north, you go down. He was going to Damascus, and on the way, the Lord struck him down. He saw he saw Jesus Christ brighter than the noonday sun, and it blinded him. Paul was blinded, and he fell. He was riding a donkey or something. He fell off of his animal, fell on the ground. He looked, and he it was brighter than the noonday sun. He was blinded temporarily. And he said, who art thou? He said, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. Jesus talked to him. He said, go into the Damascus and there'll be a man that will come tell you what you got to do. And so forth. And I won't read all the details. Look at 17. When he finally got into Damascus, the Lord started talking to Ananias, who was a prophet in that city, who was a man of God. Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on Paul, on him, that is Paul, said, Brother Saul, he wasn't Paul, then he was Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou comest, camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Paul received the Holy Ghost, his sight, and was filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. As you well know in Jesus' name, because that's the way he baptized. You got the message. Only it doesn't say here that he spoke in tongues. It says he received the Holy Ghost, and immediately there fell from his eyes scales, and he received sight forthwith he arose and was baptized. It doesn't say he received I thought you'd never ask. Let me show you a verse. I want you to go with me to uh, Acts chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians, rather. Let's see, 1 Corinthians 12. 14 it is. 1 Corinthians 14. Let me see if I can find it here. Okay. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 18. 14, 18. Everybody see that? Is that in your notes? First Corinthians 4, it is, 14, 18. Look at this. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than y'all. This is Paul talking. Paul writing here in the first Corinthians chapter 14 said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than y'all. I had a guy actually tell me one time, Paul never spoke in tongues when he got saved. I said, well, I'll show you where he did. I showed him over here in, 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 uh, in Acts 14, 18, where, uh, 1 Corinthians, I mean, where that Paul refers to himself and said, I, I speak in tongues more than all of you. If you're going to think anything to say about tongues, I speak in tongues more than all of you. 
So Paul was a tongue talker. Praise the Lord. He was a Holy Ghost filled, baptized in Jesus' name, speaking in tongues. So was Peter. Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. And all of the apostles. That was the apostles' doctrine. And then there were times when they would pray and lay hands on people and they would receive the Holy Ghost. And of course, the evidence of it was speaking in other tongues. Well, let me move on here. Praise God. I, uh, I want you to look here at verse number four here with me. Number four with me. The apostles' warning of deceivers that would come. Now, the apostles said, you know what? You know what you got to do to be saved. You repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, be filled with the Holy Ghost. The evidence of the Holy Ghost is speaking in other tongues. And live a godly, holy life for the Lord. And I haven't even talked about that part of it, but that's every other. We, should, we all know that. You live a God-fearing, holy life for the Lord. And then, as the apostles grew older, and as time went along... And the apostles began to die off, or were actually only one of them died a natural death. That was John. The the others all were martyred. They all were killed for preaching the gospel. All those apostles. And they gave their life because they said, it doesn't matter if they kill me, I'm I'm going to go to heaven. I know this thing is real. They killed Jesus, and we saw him rise again. This is what we've got. So anyhow, the apostles' warning. Of, of deceivers that would come. Now I want you to look in Acts chapter two, chapter twenty, chapter Acts chapter twenty with me. These are warnings that deceivers would come. And can I just tell you here that after the apostles died and they gave the warnings that the deceivers did come. They did come. And they came and began to try to deceive the people and tell them, oh, you don't have to be baptized in Jesus' name. Oh, you don't have to have the Holy Ghost. Oh, you don't have to repent of your sins. You know, no, 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 you don't have to be baptized in Jesus' name. And they began to change the whole thing. All that's recorded in church history. I got a set of church history books. I got two or three sets of them, volumes of them. I've read so many of them until... Pretty well know it all by heart, the Reformation Fathers and all those kind of things. Let me let me have, have you look at this with me here in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Take heed, this is Paul talking now, when he was still winding up his his uh, his ministry, his missionary ministry, and he knew that he was going to be taken pretty soon into captivity and be taken probably to Rome or someplace. He knew that. Now, he said to verse 28, and he was talking here to this, the Ephesians. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. And take heed to do that. He's talking to the elders now. For I know this. Notice that I know this. That after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. There's going to be some deceivers that will come. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. So this was Paul talking about it. I'll give you, he wasn't the only one that talked about these kind of things. Uh, look at. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. This is Peter talking about it. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 1. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. Notice here he says, shall be. Who privately <coughs> excuse me, shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. I'm jumping down to verse 15 here. Which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozer, who love the wages of unrighteousness. Verse 17, these are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. Now, 
what he was, Peter was saying, there's going to be some bad guys that would come along and you've got to be aware of it. Now, not only did uh, Peter talk about it, but uh, also John. I'm reading John because John uh, was still living for a long time after the others had already died. John was cast into a pot of boiling oil and should have been killed, but the Lord delivered him from that. He survived. This is in his the ancient, the older years, whenever he was an older man now. John was one of the younger disciples as well, but he was an older man at this time. Look at John, second, the second epistle of John, one chapter, verse 6. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that as, as we have heard from the beginning, ye shall walk in it. Look at verse 7. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Verse 9. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He hath abided in the doctrine of Christ. He hath both the Father and the Son. Now, you can't say, well, if you don't have the Father, you don't have the Son. He's, yeah, you got both of them if you've got the doctrine of Christ. And that's what we're talking about, this apostolic doctrine, which is the Lord's doctrine that he gave to that, those disciples in the very beginning of time. Praise the Lord. And while you're right there, Jude, that's the last epistle. Jude's only got one chapter as well. Jude chapter 1, verse 4. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the holy Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And then, of course, Jude also states over in verse 17 and 18, But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you, there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. And these be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. Now, I'm just pointing out to you here what they were saying would come to pass in time, folks. And that's exactly what happened. Exactly what happened. There were, there were men who came into the church. They came out of Greek philosophy. They came out of Greek philosophy. And some of them began to say, and I can show you this in history books. They began to say, we believe the Greek philosophers had as much anointing of God in the Old Testament as the prophets had in Israel in the Old Testament. The Old Testament to them was back before the law, back before, you know, before Christ. And they believed that that, and so they began to adopt some of those Greek philosophers' philosophies and bring them into the church and create different things. And they said, oh, well, you don't have to get baptized in Jesus' name. You can get baptized in the titles of Father, Son, the Holy Ghost. And that's okay. And that identifies the fact that you believe that God is three and not one. You see what I mean? They begin to take away and tear down. And they begin to teach that, teach that, teach that. And they begin to, they begin to break away from, and the people who were solid said, no, we're going to stay with the apostles' doctrine. The apostles' doctrine that they preached in the very beginning, that's the way it is, that's the way it should be, and we are not going to deviate from it. They held fast to it. Baptism. Okay, baptism. You know, baptize people in water. They come up, they're soaking wet. Hair falling on their face, you know, the clothes all wet, you know. Oh, well, let's do it. Let's do it a little prettier than that, you know. Let's uh, let's let's just pour water on their head. Well, I've got a better one than that. We'll sprinkle the water on their head, and that's all they need. And they don't get their clothes wet. They don't get look like they're a drowned rat coming up out of the water, you know. No, no baptism. Let me show you something. Uh, I want you to go to Exodus. This is right here. I want you to go to Exodus 20, 28 with me for a moment here. Exodus 20, 28. Notice this. 
I'm going to talk to you for a little bit here, just for a few minutes. And if thou wilt make me an altar of stone, this is the Lord talking to Israel back in the Old Testament, whenever they would make altars to worship God, make sacrifices to the Lord. And if thou wilt make me an altar of stone, thou shalt not build it of hewn stone. Hewn stone is stones that's been carved out. You take a chisel and you chisel it around and you make them look real pretty and fancy. You're not going to build for me, ever build for me a, 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 an altar that you have taken a chisel and you made pretty little stones and made it so, and you make an altar that looks pretty. Huh? It's going to be the way you take natural stones and you build that altar and you build, and that's, that's where you make sacrifices. And then he goes on a little further here. And if thou wilt make me an altar that's in stone which have not been hewn stone, for it, for if thou lift up thy tool upon it, thou hast polluted it. You've ruined the altar. Verse 26, neither shalt thou go up by steps unto thy, mine altar. Don't go up by steps. Of course, in, in everything. Now, they couldn't build steps. They just built an altar. Don't try to make it fancy. Now, hear me closely, folks. There's no way in the world you can make Calvary fancy. You're not going to ever make Calvary fancy. Calvary was mean. Calvary was cruel. Jesus died on Calvary that you and I might be saved. He took upon himself all, all of our sins. They spit on him. They mocked him. They laughed at him. We talk about them driving to... This is not where they drove the, the nails in. They drove it in here, in his wrist. If you drove net, nails in his hands and he hung on a cross, they could slip out and come out through the fingers. But the hand was considered the wrist as well in the language of the Bible. They drove it down in the wrist here where, they, where when he died, he hung. He hung there. He literally hung there. I'm just telling you, it was, a, it was a, everything about it, the spear in his side. And, and they plucked his beard out. It doesn't speak to that in the New Testament. The Old Testament, it mentions that they would pluck his beard out. And when it prophesies about his crucifixion. I'm telling you, they were just mean, 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 mean to Jesus. And there's no way you can make it beautiful. You can't make, you can't, you can make the cross. And people, you know, they've got crosses and they carve them all out, make them look pretty, you know, and everything. They hold up the cross. No, no, no. It's a mean terrible thing that happened we cannot improve it one bit and then i'm going to read that last verse that you've got in your notes there john john 19 20 look at that john 19 20 let me get there when jesus therefore had received the vinegar he was on the cross here he said it is finished. Jesus finished the work. It is finished. He bowed his head and gave up the ghost or gave up the spirit. Jesus died on the cross. He said, it is finished. And when he finished it, it was a finished work. We cannot add anything to it. The apostles' doctrine, praise the Lord, is what Jesus told them to do. What they were to do, how they were to baptize, how they were to preach the gospel, how they were to go forth, how they were to live. It was given unto Peter, James, John, Andrew, given unto Paul. All those things that they've given us, and this is what we have in the New Testament is the word of God. It's given unto us. Jesus finished it. You can't add to it. We cannot sophisticate the gospel of Christ. This is why that thing I was mentioned a while ago about sprinkling. Trying to make it fancy, make it pretty. Trying to make it cute. You can't make it cute. You just say, God, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to be holy. I'm going to fear. I'm going to live godly. I'm going to stay with the word. I'm going to stay with the book. Praise the Lord. I want to keep on believing the message. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't care how many people say, oh, you believe it this way, that way. I can show you in history where the guys came along and they had all kind of... Funny doctrines, doctrine of predestination. You, you're born to be either saved or lost. No, no, the Bible said the gospel is to the whole world. I can show you, I can show you a, more scriptures than you can have on both your hands 
where the Bible talks about the gospel is for whosoever will. Praise the Lord. And what we do, the, it's the grace of God unto us. And Jesus finished it on the crowd. As nasty, as mean, as dirty, as ugly, as terrible as Calvary was, it was the finished work that the Lord did. And we cannot add to anything to it. All we can do is say, Jesus, thank you, Lord, that you died on Calvary for me. By his grace, we are saved. And that through faith. Through faith. Jesus died for the whole world, but the whole world isn't saved. The whole world isn't saved because the whole world doesn't believe. So we are, we respond by believing. And believing activates repentance, baptism in Jesus' name. And receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence speaking in other tongues and living in a holy, God-fearing life above sin that we might one day go to heaven. Folks, I don't know when the Lord's coming, but he's coming soon. Praise the Lord. It may be a while. I may not see it, but I want you to know that the Lord is coming soon. Praise the Lord. We're getting close to that time. And I want you to know, don't lose anything God's given you. This thing is real. This thing is solid. Praise the Lord. It is a, it is the apostles' doctrine from the beginning. They gave their life believing it. And if they gave their lives believing it, praise the Lord, I can certainly live my life believing it. Hallelujah. And walking with God with all of my heart and soul, with all of my mind and strength. Amen. God bless you. Let's stand together and let's just lift our hands and praise the Lord. <coughs> let's worship Him together. Oh, Lord Jesus, we love you, we love you, we love you. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. How good you are to us. How great you are to us. Oh, Lord, hallelujah. God, you are so very merciful to us. We were Gentiles, Lord, and you reached afar. Those that are afar off, that's who we are, Lord. We are way over here on the other side of the world. Thank you, Lord, for your word coming our way, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for salvation. Thank you for the Holy Ghost, God. Thank you for the evidence of it, Lord. Thank you for the, your spirit that's in our lives and hearts, God. Thank you for truth. Thank you for the wonderful presence of our Lord. And we give you the praise and the glory for all things. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.